Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Give just a little bit of a recap of what you may be here wondering if you're new, what is RUF? And RUF is a community. It's a community at UConn, and we believe that life is not to be lived alone but together. So we hope that RUF is a place where you can come and be known and get to know people and live life together with people. And RUF is a Christian community, meaning that we uh, look to God, to the Bible, uh, to Jesus for answers. Uh, Not to say that everyone here has to be a Christian or even is a Christian, uh, because we believe that a Christian community is one that would welcome all who might come. And so it's our hope that uh, some might come and explore Christianity and ask honest questions and try to examine and evaluate the claims that the Bible makes about Jesus and about our world. And it's our hope that some of who come would already be Christians and that you would find this to be a place of rest, a place of nourishment, but also a place of challenge and growth a place where you can serve and where you can uh, come and love people and uh, join us as we seek to reach and serve this campus. Uh, We do a few things at RUF. We do small group Bible studies, so we're going to talk a little bit about that later, but uh, we like to meet uh, in smaller groups and talk about the Bible together. Um, We love to meet up one-on-one, so like I don't have another job except this which means what I want to be doing is spending a lot of time with you all throughout the week. Uh, That could look like, hey, Lucas, hey, Jonathan, hey, older student in RUF, uh, like I had a question about this, like can we talk about it, or I'm going through this, can we talk about it? Uh, It could look like also just me checking in with you regularly because I always want to know what's going on in your life and kind of be a part of your life, and I know Jonathan wants that too. Uh, so uh, please don't be weirded out if we're like, hey, let's meet up. Uh, don't, that's what we want to be doing. So I uh, hope you'll make time for that. And uh, we also, as a community, want to have fun together. We believe that the gospel brings joy and that uh, the world is one of hope uh, because of the work God has done. So we uh, want to have fun together. So we do fun events and trips and things like that. And the last thing we do is this. This is called RUF Large Group. Uh, this is... Uh, where we come together to worship, uh, to we check in with each other regularly, uh, weekly in this environment, and we also spend time looking to Jesus, looking to the Bible, uh, because we believe that we need to look to the Bible uh, to live out our calling to love one another and to serve and to live life in God's world. So, okay, that's what RUF is, and this is my ninth year on campus. So I've been around a long time, a lot longer than any of you who have been here, and I love my work, and I'm really happy, and I would really love to get to know you all as much as possible. Um, And this semester, so in every semester we kind of have a theme, a section of the Bible that we're going through uh, week by week, and just looking at it to see uh, what the gospel is for uh, kind of applying it to our own lives here on campus. And this semester, 
Uh, maybe you've seen one of our flyers that say Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And that's kind of the name of our series as we go through the Gospel of Mark, which is this account of Jesus's life and ministry uh, written by someone named Mark who wasn't there with Jesus, but he was kind of there with all of Jesus's like boys after Jesus ascended to heaven. And so uh, Mark interviewed all these guys essentially who, who like lived every day with Jesus and he wrote this account of uh, Jesus' life and ministry. And uh, so we're going to look at it week by week. And this is the very beginning, Mark chapter 1. Uh, so let me read it for us and then spend some time in it together. Uh, Mark 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a belt a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now let me pray again. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word now, uh, we come from many different places uh, some of us are weary tonight, uh, and some of us are very energized, and some of us uh, come in faith, and some of us bring our doubts, and uh, some of us are in between, and no matter who we are and where we come from tonight, uh, we pray that you would change us by your word as we look at it together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let me grab that thing. Thanks. Um, this summer, any, are there any Harry Potter fans in the room? A few handful of Harry Potter fans. I am a Harry Potter fan, and I reread all of Harry Potter this past summer for the second time. So it had been like seven or eight years since I had read it, and I was like, what should I read this summer? And I just decided to read it, and if you've ever, I loved it, but the second time was better than the first, and, uh, if you've ever read those books, you know that they all, especially the first few, like, kind of follow a formula where... Uh, about like three quarters of the way through the book, there's this twist. Like you find out this piece of information that makes sense of everything before and the rest of the story kind of unravels from this point. And rereading it is really fun because you know what that is and you kind of say like, how did I not see this coming? And I want us to think tonight about the Bible as a story primarily. The Bible is many things. It's the word of, we believe it's the word of God, uh, but it's a story that has a beginning, middle, and end, and it's, a, it's the story that's also written into life on earth. And it's, it has, starts with creation, and uh, at, 
humanity rebels against God and all this stuff falls apart. And uh, it's the story of God fixing our world. And if you think of the, the Bible as a story, what we just read would be the moment where, like the twist where you're like, whoa, I got to go back and reread everything. How did I not see this coming? Um, there are all these hints, and this passage starts out with some of the hints. Uh, prophets that lived hundreds of years before Jesus ever came saying, you know, I'm going to send a messenger who's going to prepare the way of, like, the Lord is going to come. And this is the moment of the twist because it, it reveals that John the Baptist is the messenger prophesied hundreds of years before who was going to prepare the way of the Lord. And if that is the twist, then there's an even bigger twist, which is the Lord is Jesus, a man, the son of God. That, like, if you were, if you read the Bible uh, cover to cover and you got to this point, you would just be like, whoa, it totally makes sense. But like, I, this is a crazy twist. Um, Jesus is the Lord. The son of God came to save. And what I want us to look at is what John said, John the Baptist said about why God would send his son. He says in verse 8 that he sent his son to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Uh, what on earth does that mean, right? Um, this summer was the summer of FaceApp. Anybody get into FaceApp this summer? <laughs> Make yourself look old? The, the filter that makes you look old? This is what I look like old. <laughs> um, I took two, two of those. So if you want to know what I'm going to look like when I'm old, this was—I I decided to do like rough and polished. So this was like after I jogged around my neighborhood and before I shaved, obviously. So, um, but I have two little—I have two—I have a wife, Maggie, and two small children, Margot and Asher, and we flip through my photos on my phone a lot. My kids just like, like to look at photos and videos and stuff. And this is on my like roll on my phone. And when we get to this one, they're always just like, what? And, and I'm like, that's me. And they're like, who is that? And I say, that's me. And they're like, no, it's not. And I'm like, yeah, it is me. And they're like, no, it's not. And that's really a good way to understand the story of God's people in the Bible. Because you can see that it's me, right? but it's not me. And, you know, God create in the beginning creates a world and he creates people and they are just glorious and wonderful. And because of sin, because of rebellion against God, everything is broken and it's a shadow of what it's supposed to be, but it's still, you know, there's glory and every chaos in our world, right? People can be wonderful sometimes, but they can be awful other times. Uh, so in the Bible, we get, there's glimpses of glory in humanity, but it's just not right. I'm going to get off of that. Um, but, uh, you know, in the Bible, there's all these stories. Uh, you know, if you read through the Old Testament, God's people are going to get back on track. Noah's Ark, let's start over. Uh, flood, start over, and we're going to get back on track. Noah is a faithful man. Oh, wait, he's not. Everything starts to fall apart again. Or God's people get enslaved in Egypt and they're led out of slavery, and eventually they get to the promised land, this new start, but it doesn't fix the rebelliousness of the hearts of God's people. Uh, maybe you can relate. You know, maybe you've had moments where you're like, you know what, I'm going to get my life back on. Like, this semester is going to be different. 
I'm going to get my life on track. I'm going to be serious about my faith or I'm going to be serious about serving or I'm going to be serious about some other thing. And, and then, you know, you fail. And then we go through this cycle of despair, maybe cynicism. And that's really what, and then we try to get back on track again. And that's really what John's baptism, and like John is out there baptizing people and it's about repentance, which is a way of saying, turning back to God. So repentance. So these are all people that are saying like, I'm going to get my life back. You know, I've been living the wrong way. I'm serious about changing. I'm going to come out and get symbolically washed. And that's great. Uh, That's obviously something that's good to do to make a resolution to change. But the real problem, like our hearts are what need to change. Because we are very good at trading one form of running away from God for a different form of running away from God. And if you were to keep reading through the Old Testament, you would find that God begins to start saying things like, I'm going to give my people new hearts. And he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on my people. Which is a way of saying, I'm going to fix my people at the root rather than allowing them to try and manage their symptoms because it's possible for us to like work to be okay for a while but still not be fixed right Uh, i can make resolutions and stick to them for a little while like i can be generous and kind but like if you put in a stressful situation i can become like a monster i need to become something different Uh, there's a documentary anybody seen the documentary came out about 15 years ago, called Grizzly Man. Anybody seen Grizzly Man? Okay, Grizzly Man is the story of a man. I don't recommend you should watch it because it's kind of depressing. But uh, (laughs) it's a story of a man named Timothy Treadwell. And Timothy Treadwell, for uh, 13 summers consecutively, went up to Alaska and lived with the grizzly bears there. And he documented it. So he, there's footage, like he just like set up cameras and there's all this footage of him uh, with the grit. Like they seem to know who he is because he comes back summer after summer. He has names for all of them. They live together. They like hang out. Uh, they play together. Uh, it's really amazing. And in the documentary, at the same time, they're, so it's that footage. And then they're also like interviewing bear experts. And they're like, should a person ever do this? And they're like, no. No, like, no, you should never do this. Uh, and uh, in summer number 13, uh, the stream dries up and the bears eat Timothy Treadwell. Right? Because a bear is a bear. Like, they're still bears. Like, like you can play with them for 12 summers in a row, but it's not going to change the fact that they are bears and they will eat you if they're hungry. Okay. Now think about what it, that's what it means to be a Christian is to be new. Like to be a Christian means to become something else. It's not about getting your act together or being nice or anything you do, but it's about being new, different. Jesus came to make us new. Uh, being a Christian is not primarily about what you do, but who you are now. Uh, We are changed when we become Christians. And the thing that's specifically different is that we have God's spirit now living within us. We now have the ability, because God's spirit lives within us, to 
live life the way it was meant to be lived, the way God calls us to live, to choose what is right and good always instead of what's destructive, uh, to move toward God instead of running away. Uh, and if you've tried, if you're someone who's tried and tried to get better, tried and tried to fix yourself and not much has changed, then the good news for you is that Jesus came for this purpose, to make you new, to make his people new. Uh, if, you're, if you are a Christian, though, what you need to see is that there's a way of being new in which you kind of forget that you're new. Uh, my wife Maggie, who I already mentioned, uh, we've been married for seven years and uh, Maggie has a recurring nightmare. I don't, do any of you have like recurring nightmare? This, she has a common one, which is that like she's back in school and back in college and it's like halfway through the semester <laughs> and she like enters the dream at this point and she hasn't been going to class all semester and like midterms are coming up or something like that. And so in her dream, she's like, I'm an idiot. Like, why haven't I been going to class? Like, I don't even have books. Like, what am I going to do? And then... She wakes up and, you know, there's this, like, few seconds where it's like, oh, yeah, okay, good. Like, there's kids in this house. Like, there's not in college. Um, For Christians, it can seem like we're new. Or it can seem like we're not new. uh, Because we get into situations where it's like, I think I'm a Christian, but... Like, should a Christian be this apathetic like I am? Or should a Christian look at pornography as much as I do? Or should a Christian be this anxious? Or should a, like, maybe I'm not a Christian because of this, what's going on with me. And what I want you to see tonight is that struggling with sin does not necessarily mean you're not a Christian. But it may mean on some level that you've forgotten who you are. It may mean that you have a power within you that you're not accessing. Think about my wife's nightmares again. Like, what if she woke up and I was like, you know, all right, get to work. Buy some books. Like, what are you waiting for? Like, that would not be helpful, right? (laughs) Um, The solution would be, like, there's kids in this house. Like, your your diploma is over there. Like, you're not in college anymore. Um, and that's, the solution for Christians isn't the to-do list either. The solution for Christians is to remember that you're new. If you are a Christian here tonight, when was the last time you considered the fact that you're new? Like there was an old you and there's a new you. And the spirit of God now dwells within you. When was the last time that you were reminded that you have a changed And this is really why RUF is a community, because the Christian life can't be lived alone. Like, we need each other to be like, hey, remember this. Like, remember that this is true about you, uh, because we will forget uh, very quickly. Okay, so how is Jesus able to make us new? So second point, uh, how does he make us new, is a second aspect of what Jesus came to do, which is to be our substitute. Um, why, and the big question in this passage, if you're like me, you wondered, why does Jesus need to get baptized? Like, I thought Jesus had no sin, right? Why would he get, like, all these sinful people that have been running away from God are going out to get baptized, and then Jesus shows up, and he gets baptized. And a lot of people look at this, and they say, like, this is proof that Jesus didn't know what he was doing. And I want to suggest to you that this is proof that he knew exactly what he was doing. And this is the first step in him substituting his life for our life. 
Uh, Although he has no sin, although he is from eternity delighted to do everything that God wants and everything that is right and good, he lowers himself to participate in this ritual that all of mankind needed to participate in uh, because all of mankind was rebellious against God. Uh, I have two kids, like I mentioned. These are, this is them, Margo and Asher. Uh, Margo started kindergarten today. So uh, she's five and started kindergarten. Asher's two. Uh, he's the man. Uh, he's a dope kid. They're both really cool. Um, and so we have two kids. And uh, when they, we don't do this much now because they're older. But when they were really little, we used to bathe them together. And the reason we bathed them together was not for cleanliness sake. Right? Like it was for it was more efficient to just put them in the bath together. But if you think about bathing with another person, especially a small child, where you don't know like what's smeared on where and like what's coming out in the tub and all that, like it is not a good way to get clean. Jesus symbolically does that in this. He symbolically gets in to a river where people have been washing off their filth, and he knows exactly what he's doing. He's, he's doing it to take on the filth of God's people. Uh, how can we know that he's being intentional? Because look what happens afterwards. Uh, there's this scene where uh, he's out in the wilderness with wild animals for 40 days being tempted, and we're meant to remember, like, when, when have I seen this before? Someone being tempted and there's only animals around. Oh yeah, Adam and Eve. But this time, unlike Adam, Jesus withstands the temptation. And so what he's doing here is he's undoing systematically everything that we have done wrong. We need to see him substituting himself for us. Uh, Do you know that he's come to undo what you've done wrong? Like, what do you have hanging over you tonight that you did that makes you think, you know, I can't face God. I can't face my friends. I can't face my family if they know this. And what you need to hear is that Jesus has undone it. And the best part of Jesus' substitution is not only does he undo our sin, but he actually positively earns God's blessing for us. And in this scene, as he comes out of the water, uh, there's this voice from heaven, God the Father. And he looks on uh, his son and he says, you're my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And it confirms who Jesus is. Like he's the son of God. But for us, if if we're connected to Jesus, what it means for us is that that's what God now says to you. He says, you're my child. I'm pleased with you. And if we're honest, some of us never hear that. Like some of us go through life and we never, we long for someone to say, you're beloved to me. I'm pleased with you. It's the re- and because we don't hear it, it's the reason we always have to prove ourselves. It's the reason we might eat too much or eat too little or why we can't rest or why we become obsessed with school or we become obsessed with how we look because it's this way of being like, of hearing, I'm pleased with you, 4.0. Or you're pretty, whatever it is for you. And it's the, like there's an industry of like likes and notifications that's all built around this because like when we get that ding in our pocket that's like, you know, someone liked what you did, what you posted, like 
That works on us because we desperately need to hear someone say, you matter. You are lovely. Uh, It's the reason we numb ourselves with alcohol or sex or whatever else. It's the reason we get uh, addicted to all kinds of things. It's the reason we have to one-up everyone around us uh, because we all long to hear this. And if you struggle with any of that stuff, the good news that you need to hear tonight is that Jesus, as your substitute, has provided a way for you to hear that ultimately. If Jesus is your substitute then on your worst day when you fell back into that pattern, when you failed, God says to you, you're my child. I'm pleased with you. Because Jesus is about substituting his life for our life. Now he looks on the mess of your life and he says, I want to cover it. It's gone. I took care of it. And that's why the Holy Spirit can even come into our hearts. It's what we need more than anything. Um, Okay, so what does that mean for us? First of all, it means being a Christian means knowing you need a substitute. Like, it creates humility, right? I am someone, my problem isn't that I needed to tweak a few things in my life and I'm back on track. uh, But I just needed a flat-out substitute for everything. Uh, And if you're here tonight and Jesus doesn't mean that much to you, I want to suggest to you it's probably because you don't think you need a substitute. Uh, It's probably because things are okay. And you're like, I got this. But if you're one of those people that says, you know, you look at your life, you look at your own heart, and you say, what a mess. And that's, Jesus is for you. But why? Why does Jesus want to make us new by substituting himself for us? Uh, Final point, uh, to bring us into relationship with God. Uh, One of the unique features of this passage is that all three members of the Trinity are present. Uh, We believe that God is three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the main character. And uh, the Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove as he comes up out of the water. And there's this voice, God the Father in heaven. And uh, they're all there. And we see it clearly. Like the doctrine of the Trinity exists because of passages like this. Uh, And it's extremely important for understanding God because we need to understand that God is a relationship within himself. Uh, One of the reasons I love to do college ministry is because I loved college. And I have many good friends from college that I still keep up with. And there are a few in particular that I talk to regularly. And I can remember a while back, uh, one friend called me on the phone. And I was like, great, you know, we're talking. And then another friend called and we, we like merged the calls. So all of a sudden there's three of us and we're all on the same call. And then like weirdly a fourth one called like we're all close friends and he like happens to call me so like three of my best friends all called me within like 10 minutes of each other unplanned and we merge them all together and then we're like let's call this one other guy and like add him in too and so there's uh five of us on this call and we just laughed and it was so you know talking on the phone can be hard but this was like totally effortless and uh, we just had so much fun talking for like half an hour or so so much so that the next day i was just like that was great. I want to do that again. And when you think of who God is, I want you to start to think of that phone call. That glorious phone call. Because God is one God, but within himself, he's three persons. And these three people are always loving each other and serving one another and listening to one another in this amazing way. It's this perfect 
relationship of three people. God is that, uh, so much so that C.S. Lewis, uh, a great Christian writer, said that God is kind of like, he's like, this is irreverent, but it's kind of like a dance. Like, God is a dance. Is that who your God is? Like, is your God a dance, or is he like an old man in the sky looking down on you? Uh, If he's a dance then what it means is that he doesn't need us, first of all. Like, he really does God's not like a new kid at school looking for friends. But, although he doesn't need us, there's a sense in which the love that he has within himself is so good that it cannot be contained. It just has to extend outward. You know, picture God saying within himself, like, this is too good, I need to share it. Now, what does it take to be brought into that? The problem is we don't belong there. Like, think about your own heart and mind. Like, you don't belong in a relationship. People who are selfish, people who like to one-up people, people that are prideful and greedy do not belong there. We deserve to be cast out of that because we, we just can't exist there. And so... The final thing that Jesus does as our substitute is he gets cast out. Because that's what, for us to come into the dance, he had to be cast out. And in this passage, there's this beautiful display of love. The voice from heaven, you are my son. I'm well pleased with you. And I want you to contrast that with the end. If you were to flip ahead to the end of Mark, we'll get there at the end of the semester. Uh, Jesus is suffocating to death, nailed to a cross. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there is no answer. Do you see what that is about? It's about Jesus being cast out so that we could be brought in to the dance. He wants us to be brought in. There's only one thing better than the dance for Jesus, and that's bringing us into it. And he will literally be torn apart to make it happen, not because you're worthy of it, just because his love is good. Okay, in closing, if, you're made, if you are made new, if you're brought into the dance, what should your life look like? Uh, you should start to think about other people more than yourself, not because God will love you anymore, but just because you deserve to be alone for eternity and instead you got brought into a dance. Uh, You should start to care less about your reputation and how you measure up because you're in the dance. You already have the approval of the one who made you, the one who embodies love. Uh, You should worry, you should begin to worry less and rest more. Not because our world isn't scary and life isn't stressful, but because the God who allowed himself to be torn apart to have you is also in control of your life. Finally, you should begin to view God's commands not as burdensome hoops to jump through, but as the best way to live, given by a God whose love cannot be questioned. Uh, So why is is Jesus the perfect twist? Uh, Because there's a way life is supposed to be. Only a love like this, like Jesus' love, can make it happen. So uh, that's what RUF is about. We're about living out in community the story of God's love. 
Uh, and so I hope you'll come, keep coming back, but let me just close us uh, in prayer and we'll sing our final song. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, pray that we would know more of your love. We pray that we would experience it together this year. Uh, we pray that you would keep us near to you, uh, protect us and hold us uh, because we are people uh, that are prone to wander. Uh, show us Jesus again and again, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.